Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Marker and this week... I am bringing you, along with co-host extraordinaire Amy Shaw, a collection of amazing conversations that we had recently at the Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show. There's going to be a running theme throughout this week's podcast, and that theme is mainly me forgetting the title of that show. I think at the beginning of every single chat that we have, I somehow get it wrong or have to be corrected You'll see what I mean very shortly. This episode originally was supposed to be just recordings that we were going to use for our radio show. However, having thought about it, I thought, no, why not put it on the podcast as well? So what you're going to hear are one, two, three, four, five different conversations that we recorded at the, looking at my notes, Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show. We did that at the NEC a few weeks back, and we spoke to writer and journalist-turned-automotive-enthusiast Charlotte Valden. We spoke to Car SOS, the mechanic side of Car SOS, Fuzz Townsend. We spoke to friend of the show, Mark Elvis Priestley, Mike Brewer, who, of course, is part of the family for us, and Ant Anstead, again, another friend of the show. Uh, now, we caught up with all of these individuals as a celebration of classic cars and the importance of keeping classic cars on the road and restoring them and keeping them ticking over to keep them in their prime for many more generations to come. So I do hope you enjoy this conversation. I won't have a chat with you between every single one because there's no point. We'll just let you filter through to each conversation. We really, really hope you enjoy them. 
We're going to start off with Charlotte, we'll then go into Fuzz, we'll then go into Elvis, we'll then go into Mike, and finish off with Ant, and we are putting these out in the order that we recorded. Now that might become obvious, especially when you get to the Ant and Stead conversation, because at that point, we're really desperate to just go to the pub. These days are always fantastic fun, but my goodness me, they are hard work. <laughs> Lots of running around. So I'll leave you to enjoy this episode and enjoy these conversations. You will be hearing more from Charlotte Valden in the very near future. So if you get to the end of that conversation and think, oh my goodness, no, I wanted to know more about her amazing journey from journalism and writing for big newspapers to what she's doing now in the car world. Stay tuned for that because we are going to have a full conversation with her soon. Likewise, with all the other guests we have on today's show, we're always happy to record with them time and time again. Obviously, Mike, Elvis and Ant, we've had them multiple times before and I'm sure we'll have them multiple times again. But yeah, hopefully, Fuzz, if you're listening... Let's get you back in for a good long-form chat as well, because we had uh, we had quite a good chat just before we recorded and just after, which is always the way with these podcasts, but hey, there we are. Thank you so much for listening. I will jump in for a quick hello right at the very end, so following the Ant Ant's Dead conversation, because there is something worth knowing about for next week's show that I might as well tell you at the end of the podcast, otherwise you'll forget. I know I would. Anyway, here we are. We'll start with Charlotte Valden and... I'll speak to you in a bit. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You're back with John and Amy at the Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show. We're behind the scenes in our little hidden away studio and we've grabbed another personality to come and have a chat with us. And the personality that we've grabbed is Charlotte Valden. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. In such glamorous surroundings we <laughs> are. In <laughs> the is. underbelly of the NEC, you know. <laughs> it is. It's non-stop glamour behind the scenes. If, if you, the listener at home, can just imagine... Uh, imagine a really rubbish hotel conference room, but from <laughs> 1991. Yeah. And even then it needed updating. That's mm. that's the kind of the aesthetic we're going that, for. That's the atmos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but thanks so much. We've pulled you away from a stand. Now, Charlotte, you are probably best described as a journalist, writer, media industry expert. Is that fair? I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds good to me. That, that's the new bio. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, I inherited a car five years ago from my granddad, which is how I've sort of found myself in this scene. Uh-huh. Um, so prior to that, mm-hmm. you weren't a car, well, not a motoring journalist or writer? No. Um, so I am the daughter of a mechanic. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was brought up around cars, never really took an interest, to be honest. Uh, I had you know, ambitions to become a writer, um, which I managed to do. Um, and that's mostly thanks to encouragement from my gramps. Nice. Um, and he used to drive a Ford Escort. Mm-hmm. And I've written about it recently about how I didn't realise until I her- inherited the car that I've got from my other granddad, how much of a kind of safe space and quite a, a nice environment that I found cars to be. Mm. Um, and then my gramps who used to drive me to school in his Ford Escort, he just said to me, you'll get a column in the Times one day, girl. You're going to do it. <laughs> nice. You're going to do it. Because I got bullied quite a lot at school. Uh-huh. And he was the one that picked me up. And so we'd just sit there. I'd cry. He'd hold my hand. And he just said, if you want to do it, you'll do it. And so I went off, went mm. into journalism, worked at national newspapers, and then inherited this car. Mm. And that's why I'm in this room today. That's why the car is here with me at the NEC. <laughs> and just about. We had some gear change problems yesterday. Oh, which, really? uh, yeah, it was quite the adventure. But... <laughs> It always is with these cars, so... Mm. 
Amazing. So yeah, this, I mean, as a show, an overview of this show, it is kind of a, it's a wake up call a lot of the time, isn't it? Especially seeing as for the past two years where shows have been few and far between or gatherings have certainly been a lot smaller, getting into these big events and seeing how many people turn up for a show like this, it is a nice reminder, isn't it? That how big, firstly, but also how significant the classic car restoration world is. You know, there are a lot of people here. We're here on the Friday, which isn't even the kind of busy public days. Those would be the Saturdays and Sundays. And there's an awful lot of people here. And people who all think like we do in the sense of they have this genuine love and passion for classic cars and keeping them on the road. It's, it's really exciting to see. So if you cast your mind back, so before the time that you got the car, which is a... MGA? MGA Roadster. MGA. And her name is Frisky. Frisky. Uh, <laughs> named by my late grandfather. Um, so her number plate is FSK302. And she was in a retirement present uh, to oh, my granddad wow. for himself. Um, and it was kind of his uh, sportier, younger version of his uh, <laughs> wife, my grandmother. Um, so that was a bit of a running joke. Um, and because she's fun, yeah. FSK Frisky. So that's how nice. her name came about. And she's hot red. Yeah. And she is very hot. It's very cool. <laughs> Amazing. So before you had kind of ownership of that car, how aware were you of this world of, I'm going to try and avoid the word like nerd and geek, but even though I definitely fall into that category myself. Nerds and geeks <laughs> but, are cool. Yeah, exactly. I, want to be, I, I like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, how aware were you of this kind of passionate side of classic car restoration, if at all? Not very aware at all. Um, so, as I say, my dad is a mechanic, and so I was aware of the fact that he'd come home, he'd, you know, put his overalls on the floor, covered in oil, <laughs> really smelly. He'd wash his hands with this soap that was all gritty. But they always put like, sugar in it as well, didn't they? It's like sugar and fairy liquid, <laughs> and like it's meant, meant to be the magic way to get all the oil off the hands. And yeah. you're like, really? That just doesn't seem right. <laughs> and it never worked, because it was still in all the creases, <laughs> under his nails, things like that. So... I kind of knew what fixing the cars were in a sense of like, that's dad's day job. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't until I inherited this car. Um, and also I think the last two years with the pandemic is, you know, the restoration process and the, the kind of the joy that it can bring you when you've taken something that's super broken and that's cars and people as well. And, and, and how that really, it really enriches your life and, and you can build this relationship with something that, you know, it, it doesn't live and breathe in the same way that we do, mm -hmm. but actually it really helps us live and breathe and, and, and you can create such a, a relationship with that. And I didn't appreciate it until I got this car. You know, it mm -hmm. was just what dad did for a living. You know, granddad had this amazing red car that he drove around in the summer that my nan hated because it ruined her hair. <laughs> you know, like that restoration side of things and, and that journey that you can go on in that respect of saving something, you yeah. know. And the stories that I've heard from other people um, and, and how they've saved these cars that they've, they've found. And, and it's just amazing. And, and I just didn't appreciate it. And I, yeah, it just, it wasn't something on my radar. So I suppose that leads into a question I want to kind of ask you now. And talking about, trying to explain to people who don't understand the need or the desire to restore vehicles. Some people might look at old cars and be like, you know, they're either ruining the planet or that, you know, they're old. Why, why not just kind of put them in a garage and keep them safe or whatever? What do you consider to be the most important reason why people should restore and preserve classic cars? That's a very good question. Why should you restore and preserve a classic car? Because there are lots of reasons why. The first thing that springs to mind for older cars is that I think these vehicles have 
they were made at a time that we will never be able to experience ourselves. Mm. And they were driven by someone when they were new who was living in that world. And the mystery, the history associated with that vehicle, that is magical. And if you think about where we are now, we've come from, you know, we, we are a result of history and so save these cars because they're part of our history they're part of who we are they're part of our engineering history our social history our cultural history you know our adventure history and the way that we kind of you know on a day-to-day basis it's the people that made the cars like I was at um, a museum recently and I was able to find the history of um, like a logbook that had the date that my car came off the production line. And I saw this big book and I found the the MGA in it. I was like, wow. And what I started to think about was, who made that car? Mm. Who was on the production line Mm -hmm. that day? What did they have for lunch? (laughs) What did they do in the evening? You know, and and that is really magical, is is the story and and the kind of richness of what's behind these cars, but also the kind of upcycling. You know, they don't... It's a very big topic in terms of, you know, the impact on the environment. But to be able to save something and keep it going, I think that's just really magic. So I'm not sure if I really answered that question very well. Beautifully. It's, yeah. I think especially as you were talking about, you know, so it's not just about a bit of history and, you know, we should keep hold of them because they're historical. But as you said, the social side of things, the cultural side of things, these, you know, these things have inspired everything that we see today. There had to be a starting point to be able to then lead on to Formula One cars, you know, if, we, if we're going right right from the very beginning, when you've got all your pre-war, like late, late, late kind of 1800s stuff to Formula One cars, you know, that is the ancestry, like, um, what would be the word, roadmap, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to come here and still look after that, I think is is so important. Um, but that might just be, might be us like, guys. No, it's, I think, you're, I think you're, you've both actually highlighted something that's, yeah, a little light bulb that's turned on in my head, which is that, again, that sort of forward planning I wonder at that time so thinking back to the people on that production line that where the MGA rolled off I wonder what they thought what was their expectation of mm. how long will this car be on the road because yeah. if you think now to modern cars especially electric electric cars because the big debate for new EVs new electric vehicles is oh, well, what's going to happen when the battery's dead in five years or at best 10 years mm. and we're almost immediately at the point of buying a new car you're already looking ahead to only 10 years when that car might be completely defunct. Mm-hmm. Whereas with classic cars, that's you know, we're buying classic cars now from even as far back as the early 1900s and thinking, how do we keep this car on the road for another 50 years? How do, we, how do, how do I, if I have children and grandchildren, how do they want to then keep the car on the road? And it is, it's such a crucial difference. And I think that is the main area where people disregard the significance and the importance of classic cars. Because, of course, they are they do become this family heirloom, this living, breathing thing that we take on adventures. And it's just so much more special than just modern day, what we could almost compare to throwaway fashion. You have the car for five or 10 years, mm-hmm. you get rid of it, you never think about that car ever again. Mm. With these classic MGs and, and other marks from that era, it's a real thing that people looked after. It was built with care, it was looked after with care, and it's continued to, which yeah. is exactly what you're doing with yours. And the it's a tangible thing and they're a mindful thing because everything now is instantaneous it's on your phone you're super connected all the time and you know we work in media you know and even if you don't work in media that's amazing and the way that you can use technology use your mobile phone all the time and you can get things but actually what these old cars do 
is they force you to slow down, mm. whether you're driving it or whether you're working on it. <laughs> you know, they force you to just really concentrate. And you're using your senses, your smell, your sight, your feeling. Everything around you is 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 engaged. It's alive, mm-hmm. you know. And, and there's not a lot of stuff in life now that we are actually actively taking... You know, we sit on the computer, we watch Netflix, we're passive in our lifestyles. Whereas these old cars, whether you're working on it or whether you're driving it or whether you're a passenger in it or whether you're just watching someone working on it, whether you're watching someone take photos of it or paint it, you're actively engaged with that thing, you know? And we don't do that a lot now. And I think that is something that we really need to keep hold of, you know, because it's it could be teaching someone how to, to fix it it could be, you know, taking photos like you do, Amy. Like there's, there's so many ways that we can really concentrate on, on that car, that object. And we don't, we don't do that enough now, I don't think. Um, and, and it's forced me personally, you know, you get so consumed in, in Instagram and Twitter and emails. And it's like, when I'm in that car, I can't, you know, Mm. like new cars, they've got so much technology in them, which is incredible. But I get in a car like that and I'm like, I can't cope. You can't cope. It's too distract it's too distracting. Yeah, it is. You know, whereas when you're driving something old, you've really just got to pay attention to what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And and that's quite good. You know, I think we've all forgotten how to do that because even when you're watching telly, you start flicking through your phone. Yeah, of course. And, you know, yeah. um, it's so true. I mean the point that cars are now coming and, and as they are, Tesla's is a perfect example with a internet browser option on your centre console so that when you're charging the car, you can check your emails or look at the latest YouTube video. You know, Volvo recently announced with their new uh, EVs that they, the YouTube app is now built into the car designed for that purpose so that whilst you're charging, you can sit, sit in the car and watch YouTube. And gone are the days on the complete flip side of even in cars that still have internal combustion engines, so many don't have water temperature needles anymore Mm. or oil temperature needles there's no reason to monitor anything so of course you've got all these other reasons to be distracted whereas you drive a classic you've got water temperature that you're always monitoring oil temperature that you're always monitoring other gauges that you really want to keep out of the red like volt meters and (laughs) it becomes a real thing you know you are you are in command of this living breathing thing that needs to be looked after and needs to be mm. monitored because we don't want to overheat them so yeah it is it, it, it is such an important thing and i think that's the whole purpose of our attendance here today and is to help spread the word and say to people that maybe don't even have who have classic cars but kind of make them aware that there is more to it than just a smelly noisy old oily machine a big Absolutely. chunk of metal <laughs> these things are very important to to both us and to the community but also to the wider world you know it's been proven time and time again that we are doing a far better thing for the environment a lot of the times by keeping a classic car on the road over buying a brand new EV. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, hopefully a few people listening might go, oh, I, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I yeah. get it. Now, Charlotte, we I think we're going to plan to have a real deep dive with you at some point because you've got an amazing career that we want to unpick. And we'll do that, a long form chat at some point in the very near future on the Driven Chat podcast. Um, but what this being the Friday ahead of the weekend uh, what is it you're most looking forward to over the show are you here for the all three days I am here for the all three days yep uh, I think I'm just looking forward to the random chats with people to be honest because I just find it fascinating how everyone has that story everyone has some sort of connection um, and also again because the shows haven't been on for such a long time mm. I think it's 
in some ways, I think it's quite brave for people to be coming to shows because yeah. there's been so much anxiety. And, you know, the people that are coming to a show that's about car restoration and, and you know, the, the kind of mental health side of that and how that can be intertwined with it. I think, mm. you know, people are being brave by coming back to this stuff and they've missed it. And it's meant so much to people that to have this in their diary. Yeah. Um, and I just, I feel super privileged to be here because I, I sort of went freelance at the start of the pandemic, not great timing. Mm-hmm. And I met a lot of people online um, and to be able to actually meet people in real life now at this show this weekend, it's, it's remarkable. And I feel really privileged and like to, to have been let into this community mm. as a newbie. And, you know, my car's here and that's mm. mega. So, yeah. you know, it's um, I'm, I'm looking forward to just meeting people, um, to be honest. And, and my dad's here today as well. And he's absolutely buzzing. Nice. He, he's my sidekick for these kind mm. of shows. And I'm, I'm like, I'm really glad that he's here as well because... You know, without him being a mechanic, it would have been a lot more difficult to, mm-hmm. to keep that car on the road. So yeah. uh, shout out to Dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's here too. You want to go and say hi on the Practical Classic stand? <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. We will let you get back to having those lovely conversations and we will speak to you again really soon for a nice, long, deep dive on the Driven Chat podcast. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Right, we're back. We're back in our little media bunker, which makes it sound far more glamorous than it really is. And we found another very, very special guest who's kindly agreed, willingly agreed, to be dragged away from an army of people taking selfies. And that is Fuzz Townsend. Hello, hello. And I cannot believe that this is velvet-lined room here (laughs) at the NEC with candles, incense. My God, it's fantastic. We like to treat you. Thank you. Thank you so much. uh, Yeah, no... no what is it? No expense, expense spared. Yeah. yeah, or spent in this case. In this case, yeah. No, it is very, very glamorous. So, first, we're here today. We're celebrating classic cars and the love and desire for people to keep these wonderful old cars on the road. Now, you yes. are obviously a personality known for your work doing exactly that in the world of telly, doing it yeah. on behalf of other people, but other projects and restorations work. And I think it's yes. true to say, I'm sure I won't be... Um, dispelling any myths here you are a true 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 car guy aren't you you're not in it just for the showbiz well actually i prefer buses to cars oh, really? yeah right. yeah yeah so uh, so oh, that's completely spoiled that line <laughs> i do true, true i do like guy. cars but you can't well i was going to say you can't you can't take a bus everywhere but you can put catch a bus almost mm. everywhere however you know for personal transport if you're going to be driving somewhere you may as well do it in something that brings you joy rather than something that is at the moment just transport. Although one thing about modern cars is that they will be classics sooner mm. than you think. And every car will become a classic. So in fact, whatever car you're in, you're in a classic anyway. Just depends whether it's now or later. Well, do you think that some of these modern cars are going to last for as long as the classic cars have done? I think they'll last for even longer. Really? I, th- I think cars nowadays generally tend to last for a long time anyway and now they get taken off the road for different faults so they get taken off the road because they have either electrical gremlins or you know things like that maybe uh, obviously with uh, internal combustion engine vehicles um, they get taken off because uh, because they have emissions problems but there's nothing apart from apart from the financial aspects that would stop those cars actually being um, restored back to rude health and being used for many many years to come and i think um 
you know, a lot of people are going down the line of uh, of buying buying electric cars now. I think, you know, there's the 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 sort of um, the tide has turned now, and I, I really think people have have taken electric cars on board and are learning to live with what is now a limited in, limited infrastructure. But it's uh, it's going to be going to be better in the future. However, you know, they're embracing them. But what I what I think would be a great thing would be to take your old Peugeot 206s or 207s or whatever and and you know somebody come up with an easy fit electric conversion mm -hmm. and just you know what the engine out what what all the old stuff out and just bang in the new the the you know the the new the new stuff and suddenly you've got a car then that will meet the needs of uh, of a car user for many many years to come without all of the uh, all of the manufacturing uh, carbon footprint of a of a brand new car. Yeah. Of course, there's going to be a bit of a carbon carbon footprint with uh, conversion, but you know, let's start let's start pushing things forward. And let's face it, nobody's really concerned about those sort of cars at the moment. If they were electric, suddenly they 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 have a use again. Yeah. And uh, you know, they will become classics as well. So mm -hmm. you've you've just converted a classic car to. Electric propulsion. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? No, well, I, I'm glad you asked that question because it's, some, it's a talking topic we've brought up before, both on the radio show and on the podcast previously. And it's, it's this new trend of taking some iconic classic cars, famously for you know, petrol-burning classic cars, and yeah, putting an EV conversion in. And I think a lot of people would agree that there are certain cars that it's absolutely perfect for. But then on the op opposite side of the fence, there's some sacrilegious perhaps is a, is a, maybe a harsh word to Do use you think? for I think for certain cars with a, a real cars that are famed for their engine like a, a Porsche flat six or yeah you know something like that I think to, to remove that that soul that noise that fizz and that smell from what makes that car so special I think is sometimes a a, a bit too sad however yeah. there are plenty of classics out there with very non-exciting engines <laughs> where I think what a perfect opportunity to keep something beautiful on the road. Don't you think that's engineist? <laughs> it could be. I could be. Uh, I could be blamed for being an engineist. Yeah, yeah. I th I, yeah. I th I'm, I'm afraid I think you are. I think you're going <laughs> to be hauled up about this in the future because I, I, um, I I've, I've worked did some work with a company recently called Zero EV. Yeah. Who are I think their main line is actually converting. Porsche 911s to electric propulsion. Oh, <laughs> my heart, my heart. But they go like stink. Yeah. So if you're if you're a speed freak, mm. then perhaps it's the right thing to do. If you if you don't care how you get that that hit of speed, then perhaps um, perhaps electric propulsion is the only way to go because. Let's face it; it's going to spank the pants of every single internal combustion engine. What should car. you? What do you think you should do with that engine that you take out? Ooh. Keep it. Yes. And do keep what with it, it. Keep it with the car. In fact, even better, remove the engine. Perhaps once it's uh, uh, time expired, you know, it's, uh, maybe it needs a rebuild. Get it rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Get it rebuilt absolutely perfectly and beautifully, and put it in a glass case in the house. As an objet d'art, <laughs> uh, and you know, and and then, and have it there with all the components that are necessary to convert that car back to uh, to internal combustion engine propulsion at any time. So, don't throw the engine away. 
in fact, treat it like a, a very precious artifact because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, treat it well, make sure that it's ready and good to go for future generations. That's what I'd do with it. I think one of the one of the most beautiful things that you could make you, you could encase in glass and and uh, make into a coffee table would be something like a like a Porsche 911 engine. What a magnificent thing mm -hmm. that would be. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that as a happy compromise. Put it on a crate in the corner of a workshop. I mean, I still have high hopes that there's some scientific genius out there somewhere that maybe it might not happen for another 10 years, but somebody's going to develop a fuel system that's completely clean, that burns like fuel does, like petrol does, but emits no carbon. And then all of those engines that have been tucked away in the corner somewhere, we can suddenly get them back out again and drive our yeah. cars and make noise where we don't worry about what we're doing to the environment. But isn't that hydrogen? Hopefully. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So there's, there's, got to be, there's got to be something there. Yeah. But then that's going to involve a little bit of chicory pokery, surely. Yeah. Isn't that going to involve sort of, I don't know, just tickling the soul of the car, making it different? So, mm. you know, the, the, yeah. the thing is, with all of these ideas, it's... It's difference rather than, um, you know, a sort of uh, an irreversible change. These are just different things. So it, we're, making, we're making cars different rather than destroying them. And, you know, I think that's an important thing. A chap came up to me today at the show and he said, look, I've, I've got this uh, 90, late 1930s Rolls-Royce Phantom 3. Now, a Rolls-Royce Phantom 3 is a thing of absolute joy. Uh, yeah, was it? I think they've got W twelve engine or some yeah. some crazy some you know crazy pre war engineering, magnificent. But it had lost its original engine, so it's got a uh, I think it's a B one sixty Rolls Royce engine yeah. or something like that. Again, a beautiful piece of machinery, but it needs rebuilding. The, the the engine seized up, and the guy was not in his first flush of youth and neither <laughs> am I but if I was saying that that sort of gives you gives yeah. you some sort of clue and his and his wife they do these together she was in the first flush of youth of course um, <laughs> and then, but uh, he said uh, I've been considering going electric mm. and I thought that that was a good idea because he's got he's got a, a vehicle the body needs needs rebuilding. It was a former hearse, so he's got to build a body for wow. it. So he might either build a speedster or a woody body for it. You know, gifted gifted yeah. uh, engineer, and you know, and uh, his wife as well. They're both both engineers, both doing this. So they're going to build a body for it. But so everything is non-original, pretty much on this thing. So why not convert it to electric propulsion? Yeah. I think I, you know, I thought that was a brave thing to say. They've still got the Rolls Royce engine, you know. Then, then you've got that magnificent piece of engineering, mm -hmm. which can be rebuilt uh, at their leisure. In the meantime, yeah. they're out in their car enjoying it. See, for me, that makes perfect sense because, of course, the engines, despite the fact that they had huge displacement, they had those wonderful big straight eights, didn't they? And you think, but they, yet yeah, they were built and engineered to be quite quiet and refined. Yeah. So there, you're not taking away a raw. Ah, race car we sounding we're getting, car. We're getting, we're getting, to, the, we're getting to the bottom of it. It's yeah. all about the noise, isn't it? You're a, For me, it is. You are yes. a road thug. <laughs> you just are you? Are you, are you the mean, person that drives past my house late at night when my when my little babies have just gone <laughs> to sleep, and you accelerate away from the uh, from the crossroads where where I live? I I could neither confirm nor deny if that is ex if that is specifically me. Yeah, um, but I, I do I do like the sound of a nothing too noisy. Must be ideally OEM or just slightly noisier yeah. than OEM. Uh, yeah, I'm not a certain, certainly not a straight through pipe on a road car kind of guy. No, that, but that but, is cruel. But you mm. would still you would still give it the beans away from a junction. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> within the legal okay. limits well, of that given within the enthusiastic legal limit. I think this interview is over with you. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, we're, yeah. I just drive classic things most of the time, so I'm not I'm enthusiastic. Well, I am enthusiastic in my driving, but it does not look like that when I'm on the road. That's good. Well, yeah, well, I, I came here um, yesterday mm-hmm. in a 1929 Austin 12.4, heavy 12.4. Oh, wow. cool. yeah. So I'm, I, I held the traffic up absolutely everywhere. <laughs> but it was beautiful because I had the open road ahead of me all the time. Oh. <laughs> of course you yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, is a, there is certainly a joy, isn't there, in the ability of driving 10 tenths in a car and yet still being well within the speed limit because 10 tenths in your car is the speed limit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's a complete oh, joy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were absolutely, we were hooning it on the corners. We must have been going like twenty five miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> but with the with the with the um you know, the contact area on each tire of probably um you know uh, an extinct coin like a half yeah. pence piece, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just nothing. So mm-hmm. yeah, you skid along and skate around a bit. That's good. That was oh. awesome. Okay, well one thing that I'm asking each of the, the people bringing in today is yes. what do you think is the importance and the value of restoring classic cars, seeing as we are at the classic car restoration show? I think um, I think restoring cars uh, has many works on many different levels. Um, for a start, uh, it's just a joyous thing to do. You know, some people do jigsaws. Other people take that into three dimensions and uh, put together old cars. And some yet some some other people go you know go out and make the you know draw the picture and um, do the whole thing which is you know when you're really getting heavily into restoring cars it can be very therapeutic uh, you know people talk about mindfulness mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to be gained from you know spending time working on something you know whether it be panel beating or um, you know fettling something that's either electric uh, or um, or you know, rebuilding an engine or a gearbox—all these kinds of things are, you know, can be can be great for people's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're finished, they're objects of great beauty. Mm-hmm. So they they so they appeal to, you know, a lot of people out there. You know, people on the streets can can see and appreciate them. And hear them. And you want to, yeah. <laughs> yes, a nod of appreciation yeah. there to the sound. So one of the things I wanted to pick up on was at the beginning of our chat, you mentioned how. You see everybody's cars at the moment as a classic or yes. as a future classic. Yeah, now, they are. What about things like you know a brand new Tesla or let's think of a very run of the mill. Let's even say a Vauxhall Mocha E, which is you know fully electric car. Do you do you genuinely see those as a future classic? Absolutely, they absolutely are. Especially um, any cars. You know, at the moment we're kind of on the on the head of the curve kind of thing of the of the of the electric car mm-hmm. so these are generally speaking um, very early sort of full production electric cars yeah and things are going to move on a pace from here and all kinds of shapes and we we're probably going to look at the shape of electric cars as they are now and go why did people make them like that in just the same way that we can look at very early internal combustion engine cars and they look like um, they look like a cart that should have a horse on the front of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they they took what they knew at the time, took the familiar and shoved an engine in it. That was my glove, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they t- took the familiar and made it... Because like, I, I kind of look at cars and I think, well, does it have to have that bonnet? Mm. Does it have to have mm. that shape? You know, I, I think we're missing a trick here. And I... 
I haven't got got it. Uh, I haven't got the eye for what the design perhaps should be. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to be laughing at those cars, but also loving them because they look like such a throwback to the work days of the internal combustion engine. Look. They even put a bonnet on it and, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah, well, I think this is the exact thing about when, you know, being a classic car person in to my soul, even then, the, the design side of things, of, of the way that electric cars are now going to change. And as you said, we look at pre-war stuff as like, this should have a horse on the front of this cart with yeah. these wooden wheels. And uh, like going from, I don't know, not even that far into the future, I don't think, 20, 50 years maybe, we will look back at the cars we have now, as you said, as electric cars, thinking yeah. how funny they thought that you could still have, you know, you had to have a long boot or... Mm. A a long air bonnet because you've got to that's where you've got to have your your electric batteries so they yeah. didn't think about doing it this way and i think that the, the design process alone on how the automotive world is going to change for the future is seriously exciting well i'd, I'd agree with you and also that we're, we're missing the fact that i think um if you're listening in the future i'm <laughs> long gone you can say that you know i was a i was a prophet but of course there won't be any steering wheels or anything mm. like that yeah. in fact there probably won't be even car ownership it'll be yeah, yeah it'll be a, a you know a provided service so you stump up your stump up your your hard earned for whatever um, particular level of service you can you can afford so you know you can either afford the um, the Vauxhall Corsa version or you can afford the you know, Bentley Arnage or whatever, you know, mm. kind of kind of version. Do you think uh, that's going to change the way we think about classic cars then and the ownership of classic cars? Yes and no, because I still think that there will be enthusiasts for... This is going to come back to buses because everything comes back to buses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there'll be enthusiasts for those autonomous pods or autonomous, autonomous yeah. cars because even if they're not owned initially... I think there will be a desire for people to keep hold of those uh, those those early autonomous vehicles or earlier autonomous vehicles. I think there'll be a company if it needs to be provided if the service needs to be provided by a company. Somebody will come along and go. Well, we will continue to use these um, use these pods that people like. Um, there'll be there'll be fewer in numbers, but I think uh, I th- I think it will still go on. You know, I've got a double decker bus. And, you know, I used to catch the bus. Not everybody does that, but, you know, that's that's what I've done. So I've ended up with having a double-decker bus of the type that I used to work on when I was when I was young and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think I think everything will still be still be the same. You know, it's plus a, plus a change. Plus c'est la même chose. I can't even, can't even get my tongue around it. But, yeah, it's it's going to be... It's going to be the same but different. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Now, before we let you go and get back to the world of yeah, selfies a, and, a, crucially, a sausage roll or a, pie. A pie. We are very it's conveniently... a pie or a pasty, not a sausage roll. Okay. No. I don't fancy a sausage roll today. Fine. I do nothing against sausage rolls. <laughs> Just that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you're engineer, you're sausage roll-ish. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Yeah, that's okay. It. Well, we're all, we're all discriminative in one way, shape or form, <laughs> yeah. sadly, aren't we? Uh, but yes, before we let you get back... Now, uh, most people listening will know you from... Caris OS, so I see you're, you're wearing a very fitting T-shirt in tribute I to I am that. indeed, yes. Um, but today you're here with a different production. Am I right in saying that? Uh, or am I, I no, I'm wrong in saying that. I thought uh, you were with a different TV show. 
No, I'm not here oh, with a different TV show. Oh, no. well, that's fine. Am I? I don't know. Maybe this is a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah. well, we've got another Bring TV in the show. Cameras. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, no, that's fine. this is your life? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I'm being Car SOS. Yeah, this is, yeah. That would be great. What, what you car in. you'd be just off the, probably off the radio? What car would you be hoping that somebody would bring in on Car SOS and be like, the car that you had when you were 16 is now here? Oh, Whatever. right, okay. Well, yeah. that would be great, actually. So if the... the um, the first classic that I used to use on the road, uh, well, what happened was I passed my test in my foster mum's Mark I Ford Fiesta. Uh-huh. And after I passed my test, she said, well, you know, she was, she was uh, you know, knocking on in years. So she said, well, you're out working. She, she, she uh, did work for, in a charity shop. So she decided that she'd let me have the car. Oh. So long as she could use it for the only journey that she ever regularly made, which was to church on a Sunday, oh. on a Sunday morning. So, I said yes. So I so she gave me this car basically, wow. and uh, so I insured it, I maintained it, and all that kind of stuff. And then a couple of years later, a friend of mine was selling his Mark, what his Series One Land Rover, eighty inch Land Rover, ah. and I coveted that vehicle. Oh. I really, I coveted it for a long time. It was way cooler than a nearly new Mark One Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> so, I did a deal. I did a deal and uh, part chopped. Uh, part chopped the Fiesta for a large wedge of cash <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and the and the Series 1 Land Rover <laughs> which didn't go down too well at home no, which meant I that imagine. I then had to get up on Sundays and take my foster <laughs> brother um, <laughs> to, to church and back so until she got tired of being in a rickety old Series 1 Land Rover um, and I had to give her all the cash that I got on the exchange as well which is absolutely fair enough yeah. so, um, so but yes so that Series One Land Rover, I would like that back, and it did oh. come up for sale last year. Oh, really? Slum but road. it was just like it was tens of thousands of pounds, mm. and I originally bought it for I don't know five hundred quid or something wow. like that. Mm. I couldn't bring myself to do it. No, no, no. it's a funny one, isn't it? That, yeah. Some some things I think are best left as memories. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and you know, it it, it still displayed some of the some of the fairly rubbish restoration that I did very early on. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'd rather have a good one. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. And for the for that fulfilment of other people's dreams and restoring those cars as you do on Car SOS, is there a new series coming out fairly soon that people can look forward to? Okay, well, Series 10 is now, has now just recently uh, launched on National Geographic Channel. Great. So that's on Thursdays at 8pm on National Geographic. Um, it will eventually go over onto Disney Plus because we are Disney characters yeah, right you now. Are. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah, who would have thought it? <laughs> and then uh, so so you can see it at various different times of the times of the week on uh, National Geographic as well at the moment. And I believe we should be starting filming series eleven, probably in two or three months' time. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, first, thank you so much. We will let you get My back pleasure. to your adoring crowd and pies. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we will catch you around the show the next. All few right. Days. Cheers. And thanks thanks for much. thanks for inviting me in. Thank you. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome to our once again media bunker in the inner depths, the underground of the NEC, where we are bringing you a celebration of classic cars and restoration of classic cars here in Birmingham. Our next guest that we have... Well, I feel bad because I've once again peeled you away from adoring fans, <laughs> wanting to get selfies, wanting to get books signed. 
Um, but good old friend of the show, Mark Elvis Priestley, welcome. Hello, thanks Hello. for having me back, yeah. I'm trying to think now, we've probably had you on maybe three or four times. Well, I almost feel like part of the family, it's great. Oh, yeah. you are. I like well, to think of that. Family furniture, you yeah, know, it's yeah. <laughs> I like that, I like the fact that we've got a, a good a good collection now of uh, close show friends, it's, it's yeah. fun. Well, we're all just connected by cars, aren't we, at the end of the day, <laughs> which exactly. is also why we're all here. Indeed, yeah. that's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is good, isn't it? Because, yeah, you're here doing bits and pieces, you're presenting on the stage, but you're also celebrating the fact that you've got the new series is out right now. People yep. can go and watch. So that's Wheeler Dealer's Dream Car, Series yeah. 2, which is a, a spin-off, of course, of the main show, which was actually, Series 1 was the first thing Mike and I, Mike Brewer and I, ever did together. Yeah. So that was how we got introduced to each other, was, was Dream Car. And then from there, of course, it's led on to me joining the main show, and you know, my life's gone mad ever since. But, um, but yeah, this week it, we're here... Kind of meeting our audience, this is what this is, you know, yeah. this is the first time we ever get to interact in person, and that hasn't happened for a few years in, in mm. anybody's world, mm. uh, with the people who watch our show. And that's a lovely thing to experience, because yeah. people are tending to love what we're doing, which is obviously great, and to actually see them and talk about it and, and shake hands and those things, it's just great. It's really nice. We've missed it. Yeah, I can imagine. And I guess that you probably found that throughout the lockdown periods where a lot of us were furloughed, a lot of us were working from home, we had a lot of extra time at home where we couldn't necessarily leave the house as much as we wanted to, a lot of people have discovered shows like Wheeler Dealers and yeah. Dream Car yeah. that perhaps wouldn't have seen it before. They might have known of the shows, but never actually given, given it the time to sit down and watch it. So you probably yeah. found that in a strange way, the pandemic has given or well, exposed you to a whole new crowd of people. I think that's totally true. It really has, because people, like you say, had more time on their hands. And But the other thing is that, you know, we were able to, we did have delays during the, the first lockdown, but eventually we found, you know, COVID safe ways to carry on making the show. So whilst everyone else was being locked down and furloughed, we managed to continue making it. And you see so many people now and get so many messages where, you know, they say that, that shows like ours, not... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Just ours, but shows like ours content that they were able to watch, got them through this stuff because yeah. people were bored to tears, weren't they? Some mm. people were really struggling through mm. it in lots of different ways and said, so I have some little form of escapism is what everybody needed. So, you know, that's a lovely thing to be part of that. If it's helped a few people, then yeah. brilliant. Yeah, oh, I suppose nice. this is the point where, you, as you said, you're now seeing these people and you're getting to not only yeah. to hear that message either through social media or whatever, but you've actually, the minute you have somebody face to face with you saying, no, you really helped me get through that time, you kind of you think, oh my goodness, I'm yeah. so glad that we could help kind of. Totally. And it's, you know, you can easily get lost in that when you're making the show. It's, you can be lost in the nuts and bolts of it. You can, 
you know, the, the hard work and the slog you go through and everything else, you can forget what's on the other end of it. You know, it's, mm. it's, we're making a car show, but people, you know, react to that in different ways. People take it into their worlds in different ways. And, and lockdown was a really good example of how it really did genuinely help some people. Mm. And then it takes on a whole new meaning. So when you next start making it, you start to think about the people that are sitting the other side of the television watching it. And, and you know, like you say, when you see these people today, it's, it's just a lovely experience to hear it, to, to be able to sort of give them a, a picture or an autograph or whatever they want. And it's, it's a lovely, becomes a two-way interaction other than, mm. rather than just a one-way thing. Yeah. Do you get much of a chance to look around the show yourself or are you pinned down to a schedule? Yeah, we have got a very tight schedule, a very busy schedule, but I have had a good look around actually today and it's brilliant. It's great. It's, you know, we come to the, the big show, the classic car show in November here, same venue, which is huge and it's spread across, you know, eight halls or whatever. And actually, I never have time to get around all of that. It's just so big. This one's a bit more condensed. It's still just as good, but it's in a, a kind of smaller zone. So I've managed to get around a lot of it this morning already. And I think it's great, you know, for, for somebody who just loves cars, which is what I do, yeah. this is kind of the dream place, isn't it? It's lovely. When yeah. you come to, to an exhibition like this, like I think we all have our own little favourite things that we gravitate towards. What's kind of the thing that you think, oh, I gravitate towards either, you know, full restorations or, you know, some of the beautiful restorations already done or the opposite side, barn finds, parts. What's the thing that you're like, oh, I, I want to go and have a look at I'm loving the barn finds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's some incredible barn finds up there. And, and you know, so I've had a good look around that and they've done a really nice job of laying it out like a barn. It's really good. <laughs> there's hay um, everywhere yeah. for people who haven't seen the pictures yet. That's right. Um, but I also love the uh, the sort of technologies that are on display. So some of the um, different engineering tools, I know it's proper geeky, but, you know, that's me. Uh, you know, some of there's a great sort of CNC plasma cutting machine that somebody's got on display up there, which, you know, <laughs> I find that ma- I'm listening to myself now. That's massively geeky. <laughs> but I love it. You know, stuff like that is really good because I'm always thinking, even just with regards to the show, you know, what kind of new technologies can we bring in? Can we start to utilise that might maybe people haven't seen before? So there are some really interesting people that come here to display the things that they've developed or the things they're working on. And, and those things might be really interesting for us that we can weave into our show in the future. Yeah, definitely. Now, one of the things we've been bringing up with every guest that we've spoken to so far is what the or the significance to everyone personally of classic cars and keeping these cars on the road. Now, Obviously, through shows like Wheeler Dealers, that's exactly what you do. Every single episode, you take a car that could potentially have rotted away into a big pile of orange dust, but you you want to restore it, bring it back, and, and keep that car going. In your own words, what is the significance and the importance of keeping classic cars on the road? I mean, it is huge, and it's becoming more and more important. And, you know, you're right, it's, become, it's going to become harder and harder for the next generations to appreciate the cars that we are currently appreciating as classics now. Mm. You know, for some of us have seen these cars come through, you know, their production and now become classics. So cars that we were around us when we were kids are now the classic cars that yeah. we're sort of celebrating. Well, you think about kids today, they've got electric cars and they've got a very different automotive world mm. that's emerging in front of them. And, and it may be that that's an incredible future ahead for them and and those cars may well become classics in their own right but it's a very different world so i think what we're doing and what this show is celebrating is is something that's really important because it's it's a piece of history and if it does if it does disappear and the next generation or the generation after that are only going off a bit of hearsay that there used to be this thing called an escort xr3 or you know whatever it might be 
um, but they can't see one, they can't touch one, they can't get in one, it would be a real shame. Yeah. So it does need people to put the time and effort and money, mm. and these things are not cheap to, to fix and to, to keep going. So it needs people who have that level of dedication to keep them alive, because actually it would be much easier to just let them all disappear. Yeah. But I'm really pleased that we're not, and I'm pleased that the shows like this exist to really celebrate that. I suppose something that um, I was discussing with uh, another another friend of ours, um, Charlotte Bowden, is that the difference with these kind of shows to, I think, the future of them, and I don't know how we bridge this gap, is you look around the shows, there are not that many people under the age of 50. Let's even yeah. go with, with mm. that one. So, But the thing is, we are still here. You know, we're still... There's, there's loads of us that are really, you know, enthusiastic about the classic car world. I wonder what would need to be changed or to include it or whatever to get younger people physically here appreciating these um that you know the people that are here doing it at the moment or it's is a it really good point online? it's a really good point and it is a real challenge isn't it for the industry mm -hmm. because um it is a an, an audience that's growing older gradually and we're not necessarily replacing those people at the same rate with the younger generation it's got to come from the current classic car enthusiasts first to pass it on to their own kids but that's a very that's a fairly limited pool so in terms of enticing new people in, I think it's about, for me, and the reason I got involved in cars in the very beginning was I was, I celebrated the engineering and we had, you know, it was about the, it was about the engineering behind cars as well as just the way they looked. I was fascinated by technology. And I know that kids today are often just staring at a screen on a little device. It's about digital technology. It's about stuff they can't really understand. They don't know why their iPhone works. It just works. Mm -hmm. Whereas back in the day, you know, with a classic car, for example, or something that's much more mechanical and analog, you can see why it works and you can figure it out. And if it breaks, you can then figure out how to fix it. So we do have a real difficult challenge in the next generation of cars are going to be very difficult to, for that to happen. I mean, you think about electric cars. I mean, the, the whole servicing industry around electric cars is going gonna, is gonna to disappear. There's nothing to service. The only That's thing it. you change on an electric car is the washer fluid and the tires. Yeah. You don't even use the brakes. So yeah. it is going to be very, very difficult. People are not going to be able to tinker with those cars on their driveways. And therefore, the kids of people who would have been tinkering with cars are not going to look out their window and see their dad on a Saturday morning tinker with cars and want to go and get involved. Mm. That does become a, an ever-increasing sort of problem. And I've gone right around that without giving a proper solution. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is. I think it, it comes from education. It's got to come from education. Shows like this are a great first step with this. But, you know, the, the classic car ownership is obviously very expensive. And so the younger generation can't afford to do it. It's a luxury. It's a thing you have on the side, typically, not the thing you drive around in every day. Um, and look, I've got a, an 18-year-old son, and this will surprise a lot of people, who doesn't even want to drive he, he passed yeah. he got to 17 i offered to buy him driving lessons for his birthday he wasn't interested he lives in london he doesn't need a car mm -hmm. he can call one on, a, on an app mm -hmm. you know within seconds um so we, we you know it's a real battle and I, I don't know what the absolute solution is but it's got to be places like this shows like this really sort of celebrating how good they are and look i mean if it was me as a kid the idea that i could take something apart and fix it absolutely grasped my attention mm. but i think because of we we spend so long staring at devices that are just like witchcraft in your hand <laughs> you know i don't think they have the same inspiration to take it apart no i guess you're absolutely right but then there are another fantastic form of medium which brings this to light and and perhaps turns on some light bulbs for people is of course the tv mm. and the more they see the likes of you elvis taking cars apart and showing that this old 
bit of metal isn't actually a really terrifying machine yeah. that's going to financially cripple you if you decide to make it better or try and take it apart. Yeah. It's um I think it's 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 great that shows like Wheel of Dealers are around because it does it, it potentially show to a new potential audience, oh look, we can do this. I can I can do this myself. That's a normal human being there that's taking that apart. Yeah. Therefore I might be able to have a go as well. Well that is part of that education, isn't it? That and that's one of our driving forces behind it is to try and show people that they don't need to be terrified of some of these things and I'm very keen, and Mike, I know, is the same. When we go through our production meetings trying to decide how the show's going to look or what jobs we're going to do, we're always trying to favour the jobs that people can do at home but yet might not know how to or might be terrified of. Something that, you know, buying an MOT failure we've done on this this particular show where most people are terrified of that. They'll just run a mile from it. And actually, they don't all have to be scary. You know, there's things that if you know what you're looking for, you can pick it apart and find out what went wrong and just fix it. And then you've got a great car back on the road. So... There's lots of stuff like that that is part of this education process that that people, and particularly youngsters, need to try and, or we need to really try and encourage them to get involved and inspire them somehow. Mm. It's about tapping into that inspiration. That's what I had. That's what I'd love for youngsters today to see, hopefully from our show and beyond. I suppose it's a funny thing when we talk about the future and things like sustainability and environmental movements, and which I can completely understand of moving away from um, internal combustion engines and things, but the whole idea of classic cars being a form of make-do and mend, and the idea mm. of it's actually very sustainable to buy a classic car to Absolutely. then keep that going more than you know maybe buying a, a, yeah, a more modern car and trying to keep that going. Yes, also sustainable, but more difficult, because you know, as modern cars are, it's more difficult to try and change some form of ECU yeah. electric magic rather than a set of carburetors although I'm not going to please don't hold me to that because carburetors <laughs> can be a pain <laughs> so. well look, we, we live in a, a throwaway economy don't yes. we where, where we buy something we don't ever expect it to last forever because there'll be a new one that's better and, and in a few years your phone's a great example isn't it mm. like an incredible piece of technology costs you a fortune <laughs> and we all know we're going to throw it away in a couple of years yeah. um, I mean that's unheard of in you know days gone by isn't it so mm. There is a, a whole way of thinking that needs to be changed around that or, or at least encouraged. And classic cars, like you say, are a great way. It's recycling, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's upscaling or recycling or fixing, repairing. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. And of course, as controversial as it may sound, a lot of the time, it's better for the environment. <laughs> Keep the classic car on the road. Mm-hmm. And that is often far more carbon neutral or carbon positive yeah. than it is buying a brand new EV every three years. It's true. And, and you know, the other thing that I'm, I'm sort of tentatively really excited about is the idea of a technology, you know, breaking through like a sustainable fuel, which will allow us to continue to run the existing cars mm. without having to maybe convert everything to electric and the infrastructure around that, which comes with huge cost environmentally and fiscally. But if we can come up with a sustainable fuel, hydrogen combustion or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the holy grail, isn't it? Because we can keep the cars, we can keep the refueling network and we can protect the environment at the same time. So I'm really excited because I love this. I love the idea of developing new technology. You know, my background in Formula One was all about that. Mm. And so I think one of the most exciting forefronts of that is fuel technology at the moment and how we get to a point where not only is it emission free at the tailpipe, but it's, you know, sustainably sourced fuel as well. Yeah. And if there are any very young, aspiring scientific minds thinking mm. i want to be the one that cracks it please Absolutely. do carry on with that mindset because totally. yeah that is ultimately going to be the best the best solution and it's very unfortunate isn't it that in the current global political climate of course 
It's no secret fuel prices have gone through the roof, despite the fact that oil prices by the barrel are confusingly relatively low. Um, but it, it is, it's kind of, it, sadly, it's this big political climate that's making people th- suddenly sit, sit up and think, oh, maybe we do need to start looking at alternative fuels. When everything's swimming along p- perfectly smoothly and everything's fine, everyone just puts up with it, don't they? But now that's right. all of a sudden, oh no, we need a temporary fix. Well, let's make that temporary fix a long-term fix. Well, sadly, and it, this is human nature, we often need an absolute crisis to, yeah. to make a real change, don't we? And, and maybe this is it. So maybe if there's something good to come out of the disaster that's happening in the world, mm. maybe it is that we suddenly do take some action that, that protects us for the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Elvis, thank you. We, we've snatched you away. I'm going to let you dive back into your <laughs> world of fame, selfies, autographs and <laughs> conversations about, oh, my dad used to have a, <laughs> a lot of that going on today. Uh, but awesome to have you on. We look forward to chatting again, no doubt, in the, in the very near future. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank um, you. And don't forget the show uh, yes. tomorrow night, Monday nights, 9pm on Discovery Channel, Wheeler Dealers Dream Car. Perfect. I'll be tuning in. (laughs) The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome to Mr. Mike Brewer. Oh, thank you, guys. That's really nice. There was a round, yes. (laughs) (laughs) An applaud. An applaud. It is always a bit, it feels a bit strange introducing you because to us, you're part of the team. You're you're in the family. Yeah, I feel very much part of the family. Oh, well, yeah, we, we love having you. So... I think the last time we were up close and personal, because we haven't done many of our radio show recordings as we usually do at Cafe and Machine, but we will get back into that very, very soon, once the clocks have changed and we've got a bit more daylight time. So the last time we saw each other, I think, was here. At the NEC in November last yeah. year, yeah. So yeah. it's been a it's been a cold, bleak winter without the most handsome man in Motrin <laughs> and the most lovely photographer woman in <laughs> Motrin. It has been a very bleak winter, um, mm. but, you know, one that we've got through... Uh, the clock's going forward, spring is in the air, and yeah. uh, lots of people are out enjoying the classic car world today. That's it, that's it. And it's been really lovely. I mean, from what we've seen of the show so far, we've got three days of this show, but from what we've seen so far, it is fantastic to see, for the first time, a lot of people venturing out, coming out to a big event, socialising with lots of other people, and, of course, reminding us all just how significant classic cars are to us as a community. We have got two huge halls here at the NEC full of people that love their old cars. And it is a, there's, there's kind of like a heartwarming feeling to it, isn't there? Where you walk around, firstly realise, oh, I'm not on my own when I'm a bit geeky <laughs> and obsessive about these classic cars. But also, because we do love these cars, it's so great to see so many people here because it means that they're all living on and they're all going to keep going. Yeah, and that's the great thing about uh, shows like this. Not necessarily just this show. I mean, yeah. there's loads up and down the country or throughout the year. Uh, people uh, get a chance to uh, meet their geeky friends yeah. and bring their cars, put them on a piece of carpet and show them off to people. And if you have spent a long, hard winter in the garage, uh, busting your fingernails and, and rattling your knuckles, there's no better prize than to bring your car out and show it off to like-minded enthusiasts. And that's what the classic car community does here. Every spring show, it feels just like the birthing of a lamb. It really does. It springs into life. And you see all these restorations that last year were on the same piece of carpet uh, that covered in dust with a hole in the floor. And this time round, you're walking past it and it could easily walk away with a prize as a Concorde winner. And uh, you can see that people put their heart and soul into these cars and their dedication. And uh, they, they put them on display for us. And that's the good thing about the show. You know, whenever you walk around, you think, am I just walking around with people that have got cars on display here? Mm. So that is the audience. Or are there other people? 
And I'm pleased to say, no, there's not thousands of other people. There's tens of thousands mm-hmm. of people yeah. being bussed in and coached in and coming on trains, coming to the halls to just come and see the cars. And it goes to show you just how important the classic car world is to people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, keeping these cars on the road. Now, of course, we'd be crazy not to mention a certain TV show that is also a huge pioneering force in keeping these cars on the road. And that, of course, is Wheeler Dealers. You've got your new series out right now. Yep. Which is exciting. Yes, very exciting. So we've got a brand new series of Wheeler Dealers Dream Car with me and Elvis. Uh, It starts Monday nights on Discovery Channel. You can download it on the Discovery Plus app now. Uh, that's the show where me and Elvis, it's not for us, it's for people. It's a non-profit in game for me and Elvis. It's just tireless hard work and <laughs> it's brutal hard work where we'll take some needy person's old banger <laughs> and we'll trade them up to the car of their dreams in the hope that we can not only improve their lives but change their lives for the better because it's amazing what a car can do for somebody, how, mm. it, can, how it can emote somebody into triggering a you know, a complete change to their life because they're getting something they never thought was achievable. And the people that are on the show, are they almost nominated by friends or family of theirs or do you find these people? Like, how do they become the people in the show? There's a, a really good admissions process that we go through. So I do a shout-out. Mm. You know, we're looking for people to submit their admissions into the programme. Uh, they come in, we look at these people. You know, some of them are not going to be real. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a Fiesta, I want a... Uh, I want a Bugatti Veyron. Right? It's, 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 not, it's not happening. That's just simply not happening. Uh, so once you, you pour through the wheat and uh, chaff, you get down to the, you know, the real people that matter. You then start to look at their stories. You know, what difference can we make to these people? One in particular is a lovely guy called Aaron. He was an immigrant here from Grenada, mm-hmm. uh, arrived into England when he was a 10-year-old lad, uh, had a really good education, uh, become a CCTV engineer, worked really hard. He's got a girlfriend from Hungary. Um, uh, they set up home together. And uh, during lockdown one, he got uh, made redundant. Ah. Uh, but she got pregnant exactly the same time. Uh, so they had to uh, get a bigger apartment because they were in a, just a bed sit. So let's go for a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, they had to then use all their savings, and all the money they had saved up to get a car uh, to, to better their life. Uh, they had to use everything they had. So they fundamentally had nothing by the time they come to me, except for a rather um, ratty Skoda Fabia. Wow. (laughs) Uh, That was hand-painted and just absolutely awful. Uh, And the mission was to take that Skoda Fabia and get him the car that he wanted, which was... Uh, oh, the other part of the story is during that lockdown, he had, they got pregnant. So she has a she has a baby, yeah. and the parents, uh, the grandparents, were in Hungary. They're never going to get a chance to see this child yeah. during lockdown. Plus the fact he's got a fear of flying. Right. Oh. So they need to drive yeah. to Hungary, and there's no way I'm putting him his family in a Skoda Fabia and yeah. sending them off through the channel to yeah. you know across France and Germany to to Hungary. So uh, he wanted an Audi Q7. Now, to go from a Skoda Fabia to a car that a football player drives around in, mm. an Audi Q7, is not easy. No. You know, that's no. not a, a task. That, to do it in five trades, mm. yes. that's kind of not easy. You know, I'm walking around with a pistol and a mask in a lot of this show, <laughs> holding people up. I feel like a highwayman. Uh, and Elvis and me just work so hard on this programme. It's killed us, absolutely killed us. Uh, but the, the result is, not only do we hand him his car over, and we think we're making a TV show, but when we hand him his car over, 
you can see fundamentally we've instantly changed his life. Mm. It is a complete outpouring of emotion from him. Yeah. He knows that his life can be better. He knows that there are people out there in the world that actually do care. They yeah. bother mm. about what he's going through. And you can see the, the outpouring of emotion from him, from us, uh, that you, it, it, it's just such an amazing feeling to be a part of that, to change yeah. these people's lives. Mm. And we've got 10 of those. We've got 10 of these shows coming up and... Get your Kleenex out, get your box of tissues, <laughs> you'll cry at the end of every single one of them like I do. Oh, yeah, That incredible. sounds so wonderful. Well, I Brilliant. suppose I was going to ask you, um, what is the importance of classic cars? I'm storing them as we are here at the, the classic car restoration show. But I suppose it's stories like that which make you, know, make you understand the importance of not only the classic cars, but cars that have been with people for a long time where they've had memories of it's depending on the, the car and the story and the family history and what they've gone through of the importance of that car, whether it's important to, to you know you and I and or to anyone else, it doesn't matter. It's important to them, and that's what is yeah, the, the most important thing. Okay, well, listen, Amy, you all walk around the show and go and just listen. You know, and I'd like to do that. Go and stand ne- next to a couple of old boys standing there uh, looking at an old Cortina and just listen to them. And Abby saying, yeah, I can remember going on a holiday with my mum and dad, you know, in the in the back of a Zephyr, you know, very much like this one here that's in front of us or this Cortina or whatever it is. And uh, and you can see it's just evoking memories. You know, cars tell stories and uh, stories come from people. So uh, this is a mash uh, of that. It's a, it's a mash of stories, people, cars, engineering, uh, amazing skill sets out there in the halls as well. You're seeing people uh, do plenishing work, English wheel work, leather bag work, TIG welding, MIG welding, uh, and Tansis actually building a car yes. like a historic <laughs> racing car live on his on his stand and you get to see all this skill set and you get to hear all these stories and, and you get to feel that nostalgia all wrapped up in this amazing car show mm. yeah it is magical it is absolutely magical and I think that's the thing that is often so vital to the people that don't necessarily have exposure to a classic car or have owned a classic car and it can be so confusing for a lot of people to go, you know, why is there such a big fuss over these <laughs> big boxes on wheels, the, the, you know, smoky old bangers, as a lot of people would describe them. But when you break it down, the true value in the automotive industry, but especially in classic cars, it is that community, isn't it? It is those yeah. stories. It's the evoking of memories. It's wanting to keep something and keep those memories alive yeah. Yeah. by keeping them on the road. There is something else, though. If I was to be a bit of a cynic mm-hmm. here amongst all of this loveliness chat okay. about, um, it is the only hobby in the world that pays you to enjoy it. That's true. <laughs> That's very there true. There is not another hobby in the world that rewards like the classic car world does. Mm. Uh, go and buy yourself a five grand Triumph Spitfire today, drive it around for two years, go to car shows, enjoy it. You'll sell it for five grand in two years' time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, or six grand in two years' time. Yeah. It's the only hobby in the world. Right now, right now, yeah. There is a man standing in a golf pro shop buying himself five grand's worth of golf clubs and bag and a yep. stupid diamond Pringle jumper and a pair of <laughs> stupid bright yellow trousers and studded shoes. He's got his American Express gold card out right now, right now as we're talking, and he's just paying five grand for that landfill. Because that's exactly <laughs> what it will become. It will become landfill. Yeah. Where if he went and bought himself a try Spitfire, wouldn't have that problem, would he? He's still got his five grand. That's He's it. driving around in it. He's driving around in his money. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And uh, so the cynic of me would say, yes, the classic car world is is made up of people, nostalgia, stories, 
it's also made up of people actually really enjoying the classic car world because it rewards them. Yeah, mm. no, that's a very good point. Before we round up, and I'll let you get back to your adoring fans and community outside, what do you think? Let's let's go, let's say 20 years into the future. And the reason I've picked 20 years, because I've been walking around in one of the halls earlier on and saw a 20-year-old BMW M Coupe. It's no secret that I have a very personal affiliation with those cars. But to me, I look at it and go, oh, do I own a classic? Is this a classic car now? But I guess it is a classic car. But let's say 20 years from now, thinking about the cars that are coming out, at this moment, things like the Vauxhall Mocha E or the new Tesla. Do you think they'll be on a stand at the classic car show in 20 no. years? No. Why? Because no. they just won't. They don't have the same emotive uh, value to them. There will be cars that are produced now that will be on stands. Mm -hmm. Talking cars like, you know, uh, Aston Martin DB11s, Jaguar yeah. F-Types, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anything anything that's, that's sexy, basically, mm -hmm. will have a marketplace in the future. Um, but, you know, we're not going to live in a world where people are going to make a car club around the Mocha E. It's not going to become a, a car club, is it? Yeah, no. uh, you know, I think there might be a Tesla car club, mm -hmm. but I just don't think Tesla, although they're the biggest selling electric car in the, in the world at the moment, they're not the most exciting cars to look at. Mm -hmm. They certainly are technology-wise. Uh, so I just don't think they emote in the same way. They've become more like an iPhone, you know, they become yeah. a... Uh, they become a, 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 a must-have item because it's the cutting edge of technology, but not necessarily the cutting edge of style. And I always think style wins over substance anyway. So uh, I got a funny feeling that, you know, in the future, what what we are going to be looking at, John Markart, and this is going to put a massive smile on your face, the classic car in the future, will be a BMW 1M, which will be... The yeah. absolute gold dust classic car of the future, probably the best M car they ever made. Yeah, and I know that put a smile in your face saying that. <laughs> uh, plus, you know, there's some other little cars in in. Uh, I'll give you another little BMW. What is the uh, one series? I think it's the i40. It's the last six cylinder single turbo. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost an M car, but not quite an M car. That's right. Doesn't come at M car money. Yeah. Uh, that again in the future, people are going to go crazy looking for them. It become. Mad Max, the last can of oil yeah. and petrol, you know, can we, where can you go and find that car? Because they're astonishing. They're they great cars, yeah. And with the option for a six-speed box and yeah, a clutch pedal. Exactly. So I've just bought, uh, I've just bought, on, I'm not at liberty to say what's coming up in Wheeler Dealers, but just mm -hmm. say, for instance, I was to go and buy a, a BMW 330i mm -hmm. Touring, which was almost, it's almost an M3. I mean, it's, it's got yeah. M3 suspension, M3 brakes. Uh, it's got 400 horsepower. It's got abso absolutely everything, this car, mm -hmm. except it doesn't have the M badge and it doesn't have the Alcantara seats and the funky steering wheel. Yeah. Um, it's also almost an M3 and it's a six cylinder single turbo. And, the, and after that, BMW went V8 with yeah. their M cars, uh, the generation after that. And uh, they never made a touring car version of, a, of the 3 Series M. They never did one, which is, it's almost like a crime. It's almost mm. like the car they, they forgot. So I'm making one. Me and Elvis are going to make an M series uh, out of this 330 with the styling kit and all the rest of it. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and it's quite funny because we really didn't know when we're doing this and putting this show together, BMW just announced that they're doing an M3 Touring. That's right. Guess what? Straight six, single turbo. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. You were ahead it's of the funny. curve. It's funny, isn't it? It is. Um, it is. Uh, yeah. Well, they because they brilliantly used to have the fantastic M5 tourings, and then suddenly that stopped, and the whole world went, what? Yeah. Um, what would you? But yeah, and of course, the, uh, the painful thing for a lot of the 
BMW M fans over in the US is they're not getting that touring, but we are. Yes, which is good. Yeah, but yeah. they can keep the PT Cruiser. Come on, <laughs> yeah. that's theirs. That's theirs. We don't want that. Something to keep that. It's a fair swap. Uh, no, it, there's going to be a lot of really cool cars that we can all keep an eye on that are out there now that we can keep an eye on for the future. Uh, you know, people keep asking me, what is a modern classic? Clearly, you're looking at Mazda MX-5s, you're looking yeah. at Minis. Uh, you know, they are they are car clubs now, so they will be car clubs in the future. That's and right. people will stand around and stare at them and go, ooh, I want one. I suppose it's also interesting. You never know what kind of weird and wonderful car clubs there are until you come to an event like this. So what did we walk around? We saw the Midlands. Um, it was where the Manx and the little cars were. Like, the Min- the Midlands Mini, like... You know what I'm if there's, about. If, yeah. Yeah, if there's an obscure car out there, <laughs> yeah. there's a club to fulfill. Of course, yes. there is the bomb yeah. bugs, you know. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. cars like that. You know, and I know yeah. what you mean. Now, there's little weenie convertible, look like half a car. Yeah. Um, and there's a car club that's formed around it, you know, and it's it, it's great, isn't it? We get to see that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I wouldn't see them anywhere else unless I come to a show like this. So maybe, John, you need to start your M3 Coupe car club. It exists. Does it already exist? They've asked exist? me to be a member. I, are you, really? Are you shaking it's, his head? I, I, <laughs> car clubs. You either love them or you hate them. Yeah. I don't love them. Um, <laughs> anyway. But you didn't say hate. Yeah, I didn't say it. Didn't say it. Uh, anyway, Mike, thank you so much for your time. We will let you get back to your manic schedule. I've, I've seen the piece of paper. There are many a time stamp yes. on there. Yes, I'm now just about to go back on stage and probably answer the same question we've just been talking <laughs> about right now. So it was a good warm-up. Trial run. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. And um, let's see you very, very soon when we're back into the swing of things, back recording at Caffeine and Machine. Can't wait. See you soon. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Once again, we find ourselves in our little bunker space, unusually deep in the belly of the NEC, whilst we are sat here at the Classic Car and Restoration Show. Still haven't remembered the name of it, and I have to look at my lanyard every single time. Uh, But yes, the Classic Car and Restoration Show, we're getting some really, really interesting faces to come in and talk to us. And who have we found next? None other than our friend of the show, Ant Anstead. Yay! Insert applause there. (laughs) (laughs) Rupturous applause. I know, I know. You're going to have to fake that. But if you go on Google, you can... Oh, Rob, loads of a, fake exo- uh, a fake kind of applause sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've got it all. We've got it all on a memory stick somewhere. Now we've just pulled you off the stage where you got a genuine round of applause because you had a lovely chat alongside. Well, yeah, my mum was in the audience. Oh, <laughs> was she so, like? Woo! So there was a lone <laughs> applaudee. <laughs> Just slowly, like, yay, that's my son. Bless her. Biggest fan, right? Biggest Only fan. (laughs) Therefore biggest. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you are. Now today, Anne, what we're doing, we're talking to everybody at the show, and we're, we're making this dedicated radio show about a celebration of classic cars, and of course, the fact that people are here, people have come in their thousands this weekend to the show at the NEC, for the sole purpose and love of keeping these lovely old classic cars on the road. Now you, obviously it's no secret you're involved both personally and in your media life, both with programmes like Wheeler Dealers, bringing back and of course keeping these lovely old classics on the road. But now, even more so, you've gone one step further with the whole Radford project. You've brought back effectively a brand... I don't want to say from the grave because it never died, but you brought a brand back. No, it into died. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, I'm glad you said that. It died. It died. <laughs> there was a funeral and everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've you've revived that brand and you've now created this beautiful, beautiful Type sixty two two. How's all that going? 
Uh, yeah, well, that's a lot. You framed a big sure. question there. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, so let's tackle one at a time. Firstly, yeah, this show is dedicated mostly to restorations. Yeah. So the crowd here are normally people that either have a project or they're interested in a project. And I think what's really strange is the world's changed, particularly post-COVID. Mm. People are looking at you know more intimate ways to spend their free time. Yeah. Having a project at home now makes sense. So whereas pre-COVID, you might have been a car enthusiast, you might have considered owning a classic, but I think post-COVID, more people are considering having one that they need to work on because they, they want something to do in their garage at home mm. or on their driveway. Mm -hmm. So I think mindsets change. People are, are more hands-on now than they've ever been, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, uh, secondly, uh, yeah, I mean, I make no, I make no uh, bones about it. I'm a, uh, I'm a huge fan of restoring cars. I love time in the workshop. I'm a builder, not a driver. And, um, you know, I've built so many cars over the years that it's kind of weird timing that Radford has come along at a time in my personal life where I get to start something from scratch, but still have a heritage lean. Mm. And I know we've spent time with Radford together. I know yeah. you guys kindly turned up at the, the final filming day, which was great, by the way. Yeah, and, it was and great. Th it was a kind of pincher moment, a pinch yourself moment, wasn't it? Because yeah. we're there on the hallowed turf of uh, in Norfolk, mm -hmm. uh, the home of Lotus at their own racetrack, um, having, you know, Radford started off as a, a dream. Mm. But this idea conjured up by like-minded dreamers that is, was only made pop possible because, you know, we had a very small team of people pulling in the right direction. Was there a point where you kind of stood and thought, this is the point I've realised at this point right now, it's actually happened. It's actually become a real thing. Was there a moment like that or has it kind of just been a bit too gradual or a bit too crazy? I, get, I mean, crazy is not the word because ultimately when you're, um, when you set on a path to do something you totally believe in, you never consider that you're going to fail. <laughs> so although in the back of my mind there was, gosh, we're entering a sector that is traditionally fought with danger. Mm. Loads of car companies come, but loads of car companies fail. Mm. Loads of car companies announce but never deliver. Um, you know, our industry is full of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you also add the burden of doing uh, the last ever petrol-powered Lotus, this car's historic. Uh, the fact that Lotus themselves haven't partnered in this way for 33 years, this is rare. Doing it with a Formula One world champion, this adds pressure. Doing it on TV, oh my God, the eyes of the world are watching. You think about, you know, I thought about all those supercar companies that have come and failed. They didn't have those extra burdens. Mm. Um, you know, you could argue that those burdens added an extra incentive, but the reality is, is that they were never factored. I always believed in the dream. Mm -hmm. And then I partnered with people that shared the vision as well. So Jensen believed in it. Roger believed in it. The team at Radford believe in it. And, and we still do. And the fact that you were there when we first, that was genuine as well. We genuinely, that was the, that was the shakedown of our car yeah. on TV. <laughs> And, you know, that, that's reckless. And now, knowing what we know now, you know, Radford is the lightest supercar on the market right now. Hmm. I mean, it's the last petrol-powered Lotus. How yeah. cool is that? It is. It it's is very, very cool. It's very special. And, yeah, we, we all felt so privileged to, to be there, to see that very first drive. And to well, hear no more, you privileged. You ended up working. I worked. <laughs> well, you, you came to be privileged and you ended up being labour. You were free labour for the day. It's true. It's true. We have a brilliant behind-the-scenes video on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com. Just search for Driven Chat. You'll see it there. But we went along, ultimately, not really knowing what to expect. We were going along to record a podcast with Matt Windle, the MD, and if we could catch up with you and Jensen, that would be a bonus. 
but we thought we'll take some cameras as well. Um, yeah, I went to the loo, popped out, and there was Jensen Button asking me if I would be up for driving some cars on track. I thought, <laughs> I wasn't expecting this, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, we were so behind that day. It's actually really nice that you turned up. <laughs> because you are now officially, you are officially, you could add... Jensen Button's stunt double to your resume. I'll do oh. that. I'll do that right now. <laughs> I, I did, well, that was a very perverted oh. Oh. It was. That's, yeah, that's just one of Amy Shaw's very many go-to noises. It is, yes. I mean, you'll tune in for the full, I don't know, gallery? Dedicated podcast just for Amy Shaw noises. Don't. But just to bring it back to <laughs> this show, I mean, everything you were saying there about, yeah, re- yeah bringing back this brand and having that collective ambition to, for it to be brilliant, want everybody wanting it to be perfect. That is what I see whilst walking around a show like this today with just people that have turned up and it might be a little weekend project they've got, it might be a nut and bolt restoration that somebody's working on, it might be a running classic that somebody's come along to get some new silicon hoses for. But every single person that's here, that's attending this show, they either own a classic car or they aspire to own a classic car or they just love them in general. And it's so inspiring in a way to see how many people because I like to think of it, you know, I refer to myself as a bit of a car geek, classic car nerd, and to see how many other people think in the same way. And they were all here collectively yes. because they want There's to There's more these. of us. Yes. Yeah. I'm not alone yeah. on this island of nerdness. <laughs> I actually worry about the word nerd. I think uh, the way that the world's going, it's so woke that I think nerd is going to be taken out. So I'm going to say nerd as many times in the next yeah. nerdy few minutes as I nerdy possibly can. Because <laughs> I'll probably be the last generation of people allowed to use the word nerd. Mm-hmm. We'll know for sure if, uh, because talk radio would have bleeped it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, they haven't, then... Yeah. We know it's still okay. At least it's not. What was the old one? Boffin. You're right. Boff. Boffin. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. No, because I never was. (laughs) (laughs) So you are in town. It's uh, no secret now you're a US citizen. Are you a US citizen? I'm not uh, a US citizen. I've not pledged allegiance to. (laughs) Um, No, I I live full time in California. I live in Laguna Beach. Mm. Um, um, America is my full time home. So when I come back to England, it's only ever temporary yeah um this stint uh is a five-day stint for me so it's a quick turnaround i yeah. landed mm-hmm. here last night got the train up to the nec and uh was on stage this morning mm-hmm. so it's um yeah it's pretty intense uh i've been thriving on co- coffee <laughs> and adrenaline um, but i i'm hopefully going to get a good night's sleep tonight yeah and, um, we'll start again tomorrow Fantastic. Awesome. I'll let you know tomorrow. <laughs> if yeah. I don't turn up, you'll know the answer. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, we're going to let you get back to the show. Yay. I think more importantly, we're going to go and um, socialise away from the show. We're very close by. We are wandering. Like, why are, you, why are you sugarcoating it? We're wandering to Weatherspoons. We're going to head to the pub. I, it's, <laughs> it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday. Yes, that's so, very true. Um, this probably goes out, out of sequence. Next so just, week. But so just so you know some context, we're going to have a late... A very late, a yeah. A very late uh, pint of uh, Guinness. Yeah. Guinness in California, yeah, it's probably easier to get PG tips. And that's hard. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is hard. <laughs> but I know yeah. a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank you, as ever. It's uh, amazing to have you, and we feel very lucky and privileged to have you as one of our friends of the show, and long may that continue and do lots more fun stuff. For now, let's go to the pub. Guinness on you. No, on, no I'll get the Guinness. <laughs> you heard that. Yeah. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. There we go. That's it. That was our recordings of Charlotte Fowden, Fuzz Townsend, Mark Elvis Priestley, Mike Brewer and Ant Anstead, all recorded at the Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show at the NEC. There, I got it right for the first time, perhaps, this whole recording. Now, 
The reason I wanted to say a quick goodbye to you and to mention something towards the end of this recording is because next week we're bringing you quite a special episode. Now, every single podcast that we record, they're all important, they're all significant, and they're all great fun to record. They're always slightly inspiring. There's always an amazing conversation out of every single person that we speak to. However, the recording that I have lined up next week with Amy is quite possibly one of the most inspiring conversations that I know I've ever had as a podcast recording. And Amy also mentioned following the recording, she felt particularly charged by it. The two people we're talking to are Elsbeth Beard and Jackie Furno. Now, these are two ladies who individually, in their own way, have explored the world on two wheels with a motorbike. Elsbeth, she travelled the world in her early 20s on a BMW motorbike and did amazing things, as you can imagine, travelling the world at that age would be. Um, She did this in the early 1980s, so we're talking pre-internet, pre-GPS, pre anything really it was just a case of going along exploring mapping out a route with actual maps and figuring out the rest along the way Jackie's story is slightly different but equally as impressive Jackie explored the world slightly later in her life she did it approaching her 50th birthday however the story that makes Jackie's one so interesting is that she'd lived her life beforehand she'd had children they'd grown up she ended up in India bought a Royal Enfield motorbike and then rode it home. So two amazing people who both share the most inspiring outlook, their approach to challenges in life, which they are able to compare with the journeys that they've both had. Obviously, it's never smooth sailing when you're traveling around the world, especially not when you're doing it alone in countries where people don't necessarily speak the language. You can't necessarily just pop into the local motorcycle dealer network on the local high street and get your motorbike fixed because they just don't have them. So what you're going to hear in next week's podcast is really, really, really quite special. The other thing that I wanted to make you aware of, as you will see, we are now, if you're counting the episode numbers, we're approaching our 100th show. At this point in time, I still don't really know what we're going to do for it, but we want to do something. So we are certainly going to factor in some listeners' letters. So if you have any questions for us, if you've got any stories you want to share, anything at all you want us to pay reference to on our 100th episode podcast please do make sure you get in contact with the show podcast at drivenchat.com or head to the website drivenchat.com find the contact page and fill out the little form there and it will come straight to us it comes straight to me straight to my phone i'll read every single note and comment so please do get in contact with the show if you want to be part of our 100th episode We'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Look forward to bringing you that amazing, amazing conversation next week with Elsbeth and Jackie. And then following that, there'll be another episode and then it's going to be that big 100. So keep those letters, keep those emails, keep those messages coming in. Thank you so much for listening, so much for your support, so much for the interaction and engagement online. It means the world to us that you are here and enjoying it. Speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The 
very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.